You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church of Savannah. This is a sermon from our series, A Better Way. If you would like to find out more information about our church, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. All right, so we're going to be week two. Um, I'll kind of recap last week. This summer, I was up in Pennsylvania. One of my, my children was at a camp. At a, at a university that many of you, most of you never heard of because I never heard of it, but it was in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. I mean, it's like the equivalent of 16, about, you know, here, halfway between here and Macon. They're nothing. There's a gas station, right? And I had to, you know, pick her up the next day, so I had to find a hotel to stay in on a Friday night uh, before I picked her up on, on that Saturday. And so I get on, you know, the, the, the Google reviews and Yelp, and there's nothing. I mean, the best I could find was three out of five. But so I'm like, okay, a PE major, 60's pretty good. So I'll try. So I can promise you this. Mr. Marriott and Mr. Hilton do not know this part of the country exists. They just do not. But Mr. Motel 6 does know this, this very well. Right? And so I picked the best one. I, you know, I look at the pictures. Okay, they got a little buffet, you know, and it doesn't look like there's a serial killer in the back of the picture. So I'm like, okay, I'll try this one. It's 50 bucks. It's the most expensive one, by the way. All right, so, uh, so I'm like, okay. I'll, so I walk into this hotel, and it, it feels like the 70s. It does. It's the 70s. I look over the breakfast. There's like three English muffins and a bowl of Fruit Loops. That's the continental breakfast. And the, but the lady's real nice. And so I go up to her and I said, I just want one room for the night. Um, she gives me a key, which is like key, not a, like you remember those things you like turn it to go up to the room, and uh, so, and I and I walk in and it just it smells like smoke, I mean it's bad, and so I, I look on the door, no smoking, I'm like I guess they can't read in this part of the country, so I go back down to the front, I'm like oh, ma'am, I'm sorry, I I can't stay in this room, uh, I, I it smells like smoke, and she's like ah. Oh. I'm sorry, I don't know why people do that. She's like, but you should really see some of, the, some of the bad hotels in the area. It's really bad. I'm like, yeah, I should see it. Should see it. I believe you, because this is the Ritz. Um, so I get another key. I go up, and I get another room. And this one smells like no one smoked in it this week. Right? So I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm in the honeymoon suite here. I'm in the nicest room they got. I'm, you know, I check for bugs. You know, and I'm not a hotel snob. If you know anything about me, I mean, you got a bed and, and ESPN, I'm gold. Ice machine, optional. So I'm not like a snob when it comes to these things. But I mean, this is like, there's nobody else in my family that would stay in this. My, one of my boys would have stayed in this place because it's been like an adventure, but no one else would have stayed in this place. But I'm like, okay, they got a Bob Evans across the street. That's good. I go up to the Bob Evans. I eat me some bacon. I'm all happy. Go to bed. I made it out alive, all right? But here's the thing. We treat, I had no options, Okay, the cloister was not across the street, right? The, the king and prince was not down the road. There's no options, unless I want to drive an hour to Pittsburgh. Right? But, and that's the way I think we treat this idea of intimacy and relationships in the church. Like, we live in this world, and it's a smoky room, and we act like, well, there's no other options. This is it. Just gotta stink. I just got to sit in the smoky room, and I got to eat Bob Evans, Right? And, and what we're trying to do with this series as we kind of redeem biblical sexuality is show you, no, 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 God has a cloister for you, but you got to check out the room. you got to say, sorry, keep your 50 bucks, I'm going to the cloister. And, and that's what this series is about, right? Last week we talked about the reason why we're even doing this is because the church has had no voice in this issue for a hundred years because we're so embarrassed and ashamed we don't want to talk about it and then the world goes crazy and Miley Cyrus goes crazy and then we get all mad and all we do is yell and that's 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 not the response that God would have us have if I can sit in the room all day long and write a Yelp review smells like smoke fruit loop breakfast 
but it doesn't change anything, right? And that's what the church has been doing. We've just been writing Yelp reviews on the culture, right? Oh, how bad is it? How bad is it? How bad is it? Check out, not of the culture, but check out of the room. And so that's what we've been talking. And this is not a series. If you're looking for statistics on this and how bad the world is, then this is the wrong series for you. That's, we got enough struggles and issues in this room. I'm not going to be bashing the culture. There's too much Yelp reviews of the culture going on. What we want to do is we want to head to the king and prince as a church. That's where we want to go. Okay? And God, we talked about it last week. God is inviting us to that. Right? We looked at three principles, and they underlie everything we're going to talk about. So we'll keep coming back to these all the time. The first one is this, is that God is good. Right? That he's good. Everything about him is good. It's impossible for him not to be good. And so because God is good, God's design is good. Everything he made is good. Male, female. Right? Masculinity, femininity, uh, relationships, intimacy. It's all his, his desire to bless us with his goodness, right? And since he is good and his design is good, then putting ourselves under his authority is the way we experience his blessing. And that is a little countercultural because what we think is my life, my body, do what I want with it, and that actually is what leads us to slavery. It's following him that brings us to pleasure and joy and contentment. And so we talked about that last week. And then we talked about that, that God's desire for us. Some of you come into the room and there's guilt and there's shame and you feel like God's against you. And, and what we kind of try to to blow that idea up was that, no, no, God is for you. God wants you to win. This is the will of God, your sanctification. I summarize that, that God wants you to win in this area. He wants you to have victory. He wants you to have pleasure. He wants you to head to the cloister, right? And, And victory looks like abstaining from immorality, right? That you know how to control your own body in holiness and honor. And you can summarize those two words, holiness and honor, with one, integrity. That you control your body with integrity. And, that, and that's a little bit what we're going to zoom in on today, right? Because before we get to all the practical stuff when we talk about dating and parenting and all these things in marriage, we've got to get the heart behind God. That's why we started with God is good. God's design is good. God's, God's direction for us is good. And, 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 and we want to see the motivation behind why God is saying these things. Right? So we're going to look at that today. We're going to talk a little bit about integrity and some direction that he gives about integrity uh, and even how we got to this place and why we have to pursue integrity. All right? So we're going to be spending most of our time in 1 Corinthians 6, but I want to kind of recap why we are at the place where we are. And so last Genesis 2, God says everything is good. Relationship, good. Marriage, good. The physical relationship in marriage, good. Everything is good. They're, they're naked and not ashamed until chapter three when Satan comes along and says, God is not good. He's keeping this from you. He doesn't want your best. And so they believe it. They eat the fruit. And as soon as they eat the fruit, something changes immediately, right? The eyes of both were open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They were originally made for intimacy with one another and with God. Now they're hiding with, from one another. They're shame and they're hiding from God. Verse eight. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. So created for, for, to be blessed, created with intimacy with God first and then each other, and now they're, 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 they're going against the very thing they were created for. Intimacy with each other, intimacy with God. And the, when the fall happened, when sin infiltrated, it broke everything, right? It broke 
gender and it broke relationships and intimacy and, and now there's death and there's all sorts of things. But here's kind of two, in this area, two repercussions. Number one, the, the idea of men and women coming together, uh, the, 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 the intimate relationship between husband and wife, it was always created first good and second powerful, right? It's, it's, first was good and secondly it was powerful. Since the fall, it is still powerful, but it's not always good now. Now that which was created for our good and to bless us is powerful still, but now it can be harmful as well. And we have many people in this room that have been on the other side of abuse and, and all sorts of things that can attest to the harmful nature of it. Still powerful. Now context determines whether or not it is good whether it's not. That's a result of the fall. Another result of the fall is we went from intimacy to now we're hiders, right? We're, we're isolating ourselves from each other and from God. And here's what, you can talk to counselors and, 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 and everybody, that everybody recognizes this, this desire for something, this hole in your heart, so to speak, as theologians have called it, or as Lewis called it, that there's a desire to be known. And what we do when we fill that with all sorts of other stuff, it's your, your desire is for ultimately for God, but when we, when we won't pursue him, we will fill that desire to be known and for intimacy with all sorts of different things. And one of the most accessible things is immorality. Whether it's a relationship, a little flirty, flirty, uh, online activities, whatever it is. Right? But we naturally are hiders now. Right? We, we hide. And that's why some come into the room on a Sunday morning like this, and there's just something about the sitting in this area that you intuitively feel distance between you and God. Not because that sin's greater than any other sin, but because it's so, so closely tied with intimacy. I'll talk about this next week. That you, you feel the distance. I mean, half of you probably got in a fight with the kids, yelled at your spouse this morning, kicked the dog, and you got no problem singing. You're like, yeah, I don't care. Right? Yeah, I goes mad. I'm at church now. I'll be nice, right? I happen to Fowler household all the time. It's always my fault, right? Because I'm like a bull in a china shop on Sunday mornings, all right? But, but we have no problem with that. But if there's, if, if there's sin in this area, it's like, ooh. And, and that's because there's something about it, and we'll, we'll talk about that, uh, that, that there's distance, right? And, and isolation is the new norm. And so we, that's the old hotel, that, that's the smoky old hotel that we got to check out of. And we got to be intentional about pursuing integrity. And so God has given us some instruction in 1 Corinthians 6. And again, rooted in God's goodness, God's design is good, God's direction is good. So if you haven't yet, we're in 1 Corinthians 6. And, and if you're not familiar with the Bible, the Corinthian church was a wreck. All right? I mean, it is the longest of Paul's letters because they are a wreck. Right? And there's all sorts of stuff going on. That's because Corinth was like the Vegas of the day. Right? It was a port city, so you had some Navy guys there, which means there's Marines there, and whenever there's Marines and Navy guys, it's a, it's a wild party city, right? But they had influence on the Roman, by the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire, the Egyptian Empire. It was just a anything-goes city, right? Very uh, pluralistic in the religion. They had multiple gods. You could worship any god, but the main god was Aphrodite. She had a broken down temple, but there were still a thousand cult prostitutes at that temple when this church is going on. And, and what that meant is if you wanted to go worship Aphrodite, you went up and connected one of those with those prostitutes. That was worship. And you had all sorts of uh, 
other just allowances of the Roman Empire. And, and, and I know there's a temptation always to say, 2018, our culture's so bad, so bad, never been this bad. It, it was worse in a, in, in a place like Corinth. And that is the background that these folks got saved out of, right? And they're still wrestling with some of these sins because it was deep in their, in their lives. And so Paul was kind of correcting them and kind of changing their trajectories, trying to get them to check out of their old hotel and head to the cloister. And one of the areas was immorality. And so he's going to, in 1 Corinthians 6, kind of give them some instruction. But he starts out, here's what I love. He lists out this list of laundry list of sins, uh, immorality and, and revilers and all these things. And he, and he says, verse 11, and you were, this was you. This was you. And, and the encouragement to the, us is, this was many of us. A Georgia game 20 years ago looked a lot different for some of y'all. Let's be honest. Right? This, you were all these things, but as bad as Corinth was, and as, as kind of as much of a train wreck as they were morally, he says, you were past tense washed. You were past tense sanctified. You were past tense justified. He says, that's not who you are anymore. And it's this whole idea we've been talking about is live out your identity, balance out the scales, walk in a manner worthy, right? This is what Jesus comes to do. And so if you came in feeling guilty today, you, you need to understand that's, not, that's, that's, that's the old nasty hotel. And Jesus doesn't want that. He's, he, he is for your joy, right? And he's created you to know him and experience that. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so you need to not let the enemy sit on your shoulder and tell you how bad you are. Jesus knew that. That's why he went to the cross for you. And he took all that sin on himself so that you could live sanctified and different, right? We need to start there because that's important because this is not a series on guilt and shame. It's on finding the cloister, Right? And so he says that first. And then he goes into this. He says, all things are lawful for me. And you notice the quotations there. The Corinthian church had these slogans. Right? You know slogans, right? You know, they're great. Right? That's a slogan. Eat more chicken. Right? Just do it. That's a big one. Right? Um, all, it's just something that reminds you. They had these slogans that kind of they would use to justify living the way they wanted to live. Right? Like, I'm free in Christ or something like that, right? And one of their slogans are, all things are lawful for me. Right? And Paul corrects it. He says, yeah, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me. He says, yeah, but I'm not going to be dominated by anything. Right? And they're trying to justify their immorality. And then they say this. There's another one of their slogans. Look at the quotes. Food is meant for the stomach. The stomach for food. Their idea, their, here's their logic, okay? It's kind of, for their context, it's not a bad argument. Well, I get hungry. I eat. I eat. It's a natural, it's a natural function. I, I get hungry. I fill my stomach. That's the way it is. So what their argument is, if that's, that's a natural thing, if, if I feel like uh, I have this urge over here, well, I just go and I'll go be with a prostitute. It's natural. Just like eating a steak. And Paul says, nah, it's not a good argument. Right? He says, God's going to destroy the stomach. Right? You're not going to eat in the kingdom. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. It's, your body is meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Here's why. God raised the Lord and he will raise you. There is something about this body that God has given you right? that, that is permanent. Yes, you're going to have a new one. It's all, everyone's going to be five, six and glorious. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> right? It's the perfect height. I've told you before. But, but 
It, there's something about this body that matters, and you cannot just say, oh, it's just a steak. You can't attribute it to two, right? And he tells them why. Verse 15, he says, do you not know? And he's going to say this phrase, do you not know three times. It's like, come on, guys, I told you this. Do you not know that your bodies right now, if you're a Christian, your body right now, it's the present tense, is a member of Christ. You are spiritually connected to Jesus Christ, the Savior, creator of the world. Right now. And so he says, shall I take then the members of Christ, you, and make them members of a prostitute? It's a question he's asking them, and he gives them the answer. No way, Jose. It's a very strong, it's meganoita, it's, it's a double negative, but which makes it even stronger in the, in the Greek text. No way I'm doing that. Here's why. Do you not know that who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is written... The two shall become one flesh. He quotes Genesis chapter 2. And here's the idea. It's not just physical. It's actually spiritual. There's a spiritual connection there. And so his argument is, you are spiritually connected to Jesus Christ. And then you go and do that up at the temple. And then you are connected to her spiritually, which means you're taking Jesus and you're connecting Jesus with that. And you're making him look like he validates that and he supports that. And he does not. Right? He does not. So you, can't, you can't say it's just like eating a steak. It's like, just like eating a burger. Because immorality connects Jesus to that immorality. And it could be all sorts of applications, whether it's online this, whether it's a little friends with benefits, whether it's a little chatty chatty with somebody that's not your wife, whatever. You're, you're dragging your Savior into that. And that's why he says, no way. You've been washed from that. That's the old hotel, right? And so here's his direction. Flee. Run like the wind. Go all Jurassic Park, screaming like Joseph out of, out of Potiphar's wife's arms. Run. And it's very interesting that he does not say, pray about it. Just pray. Read your Bible and pray. It's not what he says. Not that those things are bad. There's only, that I can find, there's only two places in Scripture where Paul gives the command to run from sin. Here's one of them, and the other one is from greed. He tells Timothy, flee from that stuff. It's a very dramatic deal. It's it's drastic. He says, run away. And again, this is rooted, y'all, and not in... God is down, God is mean, God is trying to keep you from the best. We were, uh, we, last weekend we got to watch, me and the, the boys watched Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Great movie, right? Okay. It's always a movie for me, I know, I, but this is the, my world. And so we're watching Indiana Jones, and there's this great scene at the end where, okay, the, 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 the Nazi girl falls, and everyone's like, yay, okay, she, she's trying to get the Holy Grail, and she's reaching it, and Indiana's holding on, and I can't hold you, I can't hold you, and she's like, I can reach it, and she falls, and we're like, woo! Good, she was a bad guy, right? But then all of a sudden the table switch and there's Sean Connery and she's holding uh, Indiana Jones and he's got him by one arm and then Indiana's trying to reach and grab the, the Holy Grace. I can get it, Dad, I can get it. And I, I don't know if this was purposeful or not, but Sean Connery in a gentle, fatherly voice says, the first time he ever calls him this because he calls him Junior the whole movie, he says, Indiana, let it go. And it's just this soft, like gentle father saying, it's going to hurt you. I'm going to drop you. Just let it go. Like a dad. 
And what I want you to see in this passage is that is the heart of God. He is not trying to keep you from something good. He's trying to get you to check out of the no-tell motel and head to the cloister. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'm glad Scad's back. I don't know who that was, but I'm so thankful. <laughs> but that's his heart, Indiana. That's the God, the father who, who waits for the prodigal and runs and puts a robe on him and puts a ring on him and kills the fattened calf. He wants, he, he doesn't want to keep you from this. He wants to lead you to life, right? That's the heart of what we're talking about here. And so he gives two reasons why flee. He says flee. Right, there's the direction. You want to know how to walk in integrity? Flee for immorality. And here's two kind of directional pieces, some motivation why. He says, every other sin a person commits is outside the body. This is another one of their slogans. Their logic is, and they have this like Gnostic early, early first century, second century uh, false heresy where everything spiritual is good. Everything body is bad. So I can treat my body bad. This is their, their justification for going to the temple and with prostitutes and doing whatever else. Because body's bad and body's going to go away, but spirit is good. And so their, their argument is, oh, every sin is outside the body. It doesn't matter. And Paul says, yeah, yeah but a sexually immoral person sins against his own body. The first motivation here is, is when you're not fleeing, when you're playing with fire, you're actually sinning against your own body. It's self-wounding. You're harming yourself. You're wounding yourself. A couple weeks ago, I, had, I was putting a light in in the bathroom, and, uh, and there's wire sticking out, and that's never good for me. Um, and, I, and I think that even my wife suggested that I turn off the electricity. And I was like, no, 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 it's easy. I got this. All right. And so like literally 10 seconds in, and I'm like, okay. But you'd think I'd learn. You'd think Bill's going to turn off the power now because Bill learns well. Bill's dumb. So I'm like, I can handle it. I just won't do this again. Right? So literally 10 seconds later, now it's a spark. And the power goes off. And it was like God saying, you're dumb. Stop. So with humbleness, I went to the garage and flipped off the thing. And it was already off now because it blew, but I just checked it. And I went in and then I had to have someone hold a phone. And, you know, I got this thing done. But it, it was my own dumbness that was trying to kill myself. Right? Over a lamp. <laughs> it's my mentor down here. <laughs> but that's, that's Paul's argument. You're wounding yourself and you don't even know. And one of two things happens, right? And this is what we see as we counsel couples is that, is that you, you play with this fire and you, you pursue immorality and it becomes a point where there's just, just a, a, a shame or a guilt or a vulnerability where the, there's no ability to connect anymore on a deeper level because there's just guilt and you're, and you're hiding. And we, y'all, I have seen good couples Godly couples, we come in for counseling, and because of some shame or guilt, there's something they did when they're 16 or 18 years old, they cannot connect at a level that they need to or they desire to at 28. There's this false guilt or shame because they're not ultimately embracing the gospel, but there's a, it's a self-wound. Or the other side is we have this, this society that's just uber-connected, so we connect and break and connect and break, and there's immorality, and we connect when we're dating or this, we that, and we're, we're, we're intimate with so many people that we just become calloused. And there's now no, it's just a, a physical act. There's no ability to connect at all. It's just kind of like numbness. Hyper vulnerable or hyper callous. It's a self wound. He says, flee from it. 
Because there's something about, look, all sin is damaging, but if I lie, it doesn't damage my soul like this, right? It's just, it just doesn't. There's something about it because it's connected to intimacy and we're created for intimacy with God and each other, that, that, that it's a self-wound. So it's, he says, flee because it wounds yourself, but also because it's a sin against God. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And we go through that, and we're like, yeah, body's a temple. Do you, real, do you guys realize how significant this is? We had, me and my, my sons last night, we were driving, we had this great conversation, and they're telling me all these things they're learning about science and, and astronomy, and, and my seventh graders just telling me all these cool things. And, and we're talking about just the bigness of space and the bigness of God and the speed of light, and then we get into the kingdom millennial falcon, really go the speed of light, but, but it stayed mostly on science, Right? And, and it's just, think about it, the big and vastness of God. And what this verse is saying is the, the God of the universe who spoke galaxies into existence and he keeps all these stars that he, my son's name in spinning and shining and this one's so big. That God has literally put his spirit inside of you. That he's very present. That's why he's the, he's the Holy Spirit. Right? He's, he's set apart. He is distinct and yet he has put it in you. And in the Old Testament, David, you know, the Spirit would come upon him for a season and time, but it would, would depart. David never experienced it like we are. Jeremiah, all these guys. In the Old Testament, if you wanted to experience the presence of Almighty God, you had to go up to the temple, and there was this room inside the temple called the Holy of Holies, and only one guy could go in one time a year, and he put a little blood on the, on the altar on the Ark of the Covenant, Indiana Jones connection there. Uh, he puts the blood on the altar, and he creeps out. One time a year, that was the presence of God. That same word for temple is used of us now, that we are the very presence of the holy of holies. That's what he's saying. That, the, that, that Aaron got to go in once a year, that Moses got to experience very briefly. He is now in us. And, and we cannot treat that as common. That's his argument. He says, you can't drag this Holy Spirit into this. You can't do it. Every, you know, if, you're, if you were... You're married, and you probably got you know some china for your for your uh, wedding or some silver. We got great some silver for my grand aunt, and my in-laws have given us some beautiful china. We have all this nice china. It comes out like three times a year, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Why? Because we don't want the kids to eat their cereal in it because it's valuable. Gets chips. You can't even put the stuff in the dishwasher. Got to hand wash it, right? Hand dry it. Put it back in a little place. And is it's, it's holy, it's separate, it's distinct. And, and that's, what, that's what God has done for his church. He's made us holy. He has set us apart. He says, now, you were, you're not your own. You were bought with a price, a high price. God has loved you. God has pursued you. He has given you his spirit. He says, now I want you to live my life in a way that shows that he is the king. He's at the king and prince. He wants to lead you to the king and prince. And, and here's what we hear. Here's what we hear a lot especially in young folks, is you got two couple that's living together or they're maybe not living together, but they're, they're definitely not maintaining purity. And they're like, well, Bill, we're going to get married next year. We're committed, got a date, got the church, you know, got the, everything set up. You know, we're not uber vulnerable. We're not hard cows. We just, we just love each other and uh, we're fine with this. We're just fine living this way. Can you give us a practical reason why we shouldn't? And, and, and I would say this, if that's you. The practical reason is, it, it, you don't always have to have a practical reason. 
It's that God created you, he called you, he saved you, he created marriage and he's given it as a gift and now he's asking you to follow. He's just asking you to follow him. And you may be fine with it, but that doesn't mean he is. You have been bought with a price, right? The very son of God for you. He says, now glorify God. And that's what, that's what we do as followers. We say, Jesus is the king. We're gonna be distinct and different. Right? That's, that's, that's walking in integrity. That's, that's, that's what it looks like. Flee immorality. It's a sin against you. It's a sin against God. Right? And, we'll, and we'll give some more direction and, and we'll talk some, some, some things about dating and singles in a couple weeks. Uh, Clint's going to come up in, in just two weeks and talk about, look, for those who've been wounded, how do, I, how do I handle that? Or I've wounded others. Or I got guilt, and he's gonna he's gonna share just some things from Scripture to help you because that's where, again we're not we're not nobody's trying to guilt no one's trying to shame we're trying to point you to the cloister because that's what God wants. But let me give just a couple just practical things as we talk about walking integrity, and then we'll worship. All right, just just some thoughts and maybe some steps for us because again God is if you hear nothing else God is not trying to keep you He's not prudish from something good He is trying to lead you to it without you destroying yourself. That's his heart, right? And so, uh, let, just, just a couple thoughts. Number one is this, and this is probably the most important, is, is your spiritual life. Is that you, not, not your spouses, not your kids, not your grandparents, not your roommates, that you need to cultivate your own spiritual life. And the reason why is there's connection between spirituality and sexuality because both, at the root of both is intimacy. At the, both, at the root of your, your relationship with God is in, he wants intimacy and closeness and oneness. And that's what the physical relationship with marriage is supposed to facilitate. So they're related. And so you, if, if you're going to have integrity, you need to be cultivating your own spiritual life. Constantly. Feeding from a dialogue with the creator of your soul. Right? And that doesn't necessarily mean you're doing six-hour quiet times everyone. That's not what I mean. But if you're not in a constant dialogue with him, he is speaking and whatever avenue, maybe that's, you know, you listening to a sermon or a podcast or reading a book or, or spending time in, in, in the word or, uh, you know, whatever. Maybe it's walking on the beach and just praying and, and then listening. I think we talk a lot, but we don't listen a lot. I think we need to be better as listeners as a church. We talk and talk and talk and ask God for this, this, and this, but we don't ever sit, God, like Samuel in the Old Testament, here I am, Lord, Speak. Right? And that's what we want to be. We want to be cultivating. And, and I would just encourage you. Read, I mean, I just read a proverb a day or a psalm a day. Right? At night, in the morning, whatever it is. But there's got to be a constant dialogue with you and God. And, he, and, and, and a closeness between you and him. It's, it's, if there's going to be integrity, it starts there. Because what happens is, if, if you don't have that intimacy, you'll be going looking for it somewhere else. You, you'll, you'll go fill uh, you'll go fill that with something else. You need c- community, right? You need a place where you can be known and others can know you and they can ask questions and you can, be, you can share and talk and confess sin and challenge each other. Y- you need that. That's part, you can't, it's not meant to be doing alone, right? Um, and as you deal with those things and things come to expose and come to light, it's easier to deal with them. And if you're a guy and you're looking for a place like that, we have some men that are kind of working through this series just for this series alone, but for the next six, seven weeks, they're going to be meeting in the coffee area on Wednesday nights at 6.30. You get to show up, pray and talk, right? 
It's just an opportunity, an open invite. You know, it's not going to be like a long going whatever, but if you're just like a guy and you need, you know, you're like, I'm new to town, I don't know anybody, 6.30 over there, they probably even make coffee, right? But it's important, right? It's just, whatever that looks like for you, you whatever, go back to the time in your life where you felt the closest with God, whenever that was. Maybe it was when you were 22, maybe it was last year. Whatever you were doing then, do it again. If you were journaling all day long, you know, do that. If you were just reading a chapter a day, great. If you're waking up 30 minutes early, going on a jog and praying, go do that. Whatever it is, right, go do that. It's, it's important for your integrity that you have intimacy with God first. The second thing is this, is your spouse, your spiritual life, your spouse, is that you channel all the, the physical energy that God has given you, the romantic energy, whatever that is, into your spouse. You say, I'm not married. Well, we'll deal with that in a couple weeks. Singles and married, and this will be high schools. It'll be great. Parents for your high schoolers, it'll be great, right? Not in a mad way. It'll be helpful, I hope. But you, you, if you're single, the, the simple solution is you channel all your extra energy that God has given you into your work, into your healthy relationships right now until God brings you a spouse, right? But if you're married, anything that bleeds off that energy, if you're a man, you're to pursue your wife, and we can come up with a thousand reasons and however many kids you have, right, to not. It's a challenge, but it's, it's a command to pursue and protect and provide, right? But you, you can't channel any of that, that romantic energy, that physical energy, often any other ways, like pornography, which is just a lie. See, the damage of pornography not only is it sells a false, a false narrative, that no one could ever meet, is it, it, re, it, it separates intimacy and sexuality. That's, the, that's the, da, the damage. It makes it a transaction. It doesn't, make it, it doesn't make it what God designed. Same thing on the other side with romantic novels. It's a false expectation. No one can look like Fabio. No one has that good of hair, right? But no one is, you know, this is why The Bachelor always fails, right? Whatever season they're on, 937 now, right, or whatever. Because they always, what do they do? Their dates are like the Bahamas. Who can do that? Who can keep that up? Date night, we're going to the Bahamas, baby. Get on the Gulf Stream. No one can. You mean we're just going to Mickey D's? Yep. Well, I'm out. Just didn't work out, Chris. Sorry. You know. Of course, it's false expectations. And so it's the same idea with the mental. Right? So, so and we're going to talk more marriage next week. So I'm going to leave more for that. But, but anything that is, is channeling off Maybe it's just a little flirt, flirty relationship or an emotional deal or somebody on Facebook you're chatting with, you're connecting with your old friend back in high school. It needs to be, it needs to be cut off and channeled towards your spouse or your future spouse. Um, and, and the third idea is this, is your, your eyes. And what I mean by that is this. Matthew 19 says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. And Jesus is not endorsing mutilation, but what he is using a metaphor to say, if the source of your sin is this, then cut it off, right? Get rid of it. So if there's, there's this new spark of a relationship between you and somebody at the office, and it's just beginning, you need to, if you're married, you need to, it needs to be plucking that eye. And you're like, well, I can't help it. I have to work with this person every day. Well, that, it may be a drastic measure then maybe you need to get transferred or go somewhere else. But it, Jesus says, don't play with it. He says, you run with it. And, and there's all sorts of wisdom. This is a new world, y'all. 
It's just a new world. All sorts of wisdom areas around social media. You realize, you know, if, you're, if your teenage son has a smartphone, then, then access to everything out there on the internet is sitting in their back pocket. It's not like the olden days where, you know, you had the guy in the neighborhood had a trash can out, trash bag out in the woods and you run out with your buddy. That was, that was the 70s. It's a new world. In their room, in their car, at school. And there's some wisdom that needs to be thought about and accountability with those things. It, it's not the same, you know, as with the boyfriend had to like climb up the ladder and throw rocks at the girl's window to get her attention. He just can text her at two in the morning. And he can, he can start feeding her soul and, her, and, and, and connecting her heart to his real easy. So there's just some wisdom around those kind of issues, around all sorts of media. If you have no accountability on your media, all our, most of our staff guys have coveted eyes on our computers, all right? Uh, it's, it's, if you have like hidden passwords and things, it's, it's just inviting, it's inviting the devil to just blow it up. That's what it is. So we have all sorts of discussions that need to happen. Uh, and transparency with those. Nothing in your life is secret. How you interact with uh, the opposite sex of work. How you do travel. How all these things need to be at least talked about. And, some, and, maybe, and if you're single and, and you're in a relationship that you know is not redemptive, you know, it, it may be that you just need to cut it off because God's not going to bring the right one along until this one's gone. Right? Some of the, some of the movies we watch need to evaluate that. How does that stir your soul? Some of the music with the innuendo and all the stuff, right? And I'm not, like, I'm not, you know, anti-radio. I mean, I listen to The River once in a while and Delilah, you know, I mean, you know, even though Delilah was a bad Bible person. But it's just being wise of what you let in your soul. That's what we're talking about, right? What you let in your heart, because the mouth speaks that which fills the heart. Um, and so wisdom and environments that you put yourself in. Overtly sexual environments are not good for anybody. I mean, look, I love River Street as much as the most people, but if you're down there at 2.30 every Friday night, what do you do? Unless you're a cop, then you can go down there, right? I mean, just putting yourself in situations, right, that you can guard your soul. God is trying to lead you to the cloister without destroying yourself in the, in the old smoky hotel. And that's, you got to, you got to, do not believe the enemy of your soul. He's trying to tell you, some of you, that God's not for you, that God's not for your pleasure, that he doesn't want to bless you, that he wants to keep you from everything good. I promise you that's not true. God has demonstrated his love towards us. And that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. What more could he give? He gave all he could give to prove his love and his commitment to us. And so we just want to be a church that lives lives that declare, I have a king, he is good, and I love him. This is a big area. Integrity, right? Flee. It's a wound against your soul. It's a wound against God, right? That's where we're going. And again, if you, if you there's not a person in this room that has not failed in some way in this area. So please know that, that there is no sin that is too great that Jesus has not or cannot forgive. There's none. You're like, oh, I don't know. I was a wild man. I was a, I was a cigap or I was a whatever. There's no sin that, that the blood of Christ cannot cover. Nothing 
can separate us from the love of God in Christ if we turn and put our faith in him. But, but let the kindness of God, God's kindness leads us to repentance, not to stay in your sin. God's kindness does not lead you to stay in the old smoky hotel. God's kindness leads you to the cloister. And so maybe for some of you today is the day of popping out the eye. Some of it, maybe today is the day where I got to renew my commitment to walk with Jesus. And whatever that is, we want to help you as pastors, as, as a staff, as elders. If you let us know, you can drop a card in the box. You can come and talk to one of us afterwards. Right, if you need prayer, whatever it is, we want to we help you uh, to just be close with God. And so whatever we can do. But let's, we're going to worship and we're going to respond. And let, let these songs, I think we've got two songs. Just, just let them be your prayer to God to search your heart, to draw him to yourself. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Maybe, maybe this is time for some of you to stop hiding in isolation and draw near to God. And he promises I'll draw near to you. I'll draw near to you. So why don't you stand and we'll pray. Father in heaven, I pray just for your spirit to move in, in ways that only he can, knowing the hearts and thoughts and mind of everyone here. I just pray for hope. Some people don't have a lot of hope, and I just pray that they would find it in you. I pray that they would see you are good, that you are for us experiencing the most pleasure and joy in you ultimately, but in, your, in what you've designed us to do. Um, I pray for those who are hurt, they're wounded, that the Spirit would comfort them too. You are the God of all comfort. Uh, wherever we're at, Lord, just move um, so, that, so that you are honored and so that we love you more. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.